Today's staff is Yudzayin. We're a little behind. We take up on Yudzayin Mazet. Um, we're in a li- list of statements of Rabbi Yitzchak relating to Din. Um, and we pick up about um, about ten lines before the lines get wide on uh, Yudzayin Mazet. Um, by the uh, sort of a uh, circle with the line in it in the middle. Four things will tear up a person's uh, final judgment. And this again goes back to the theme that there's a Yom Hadin, which is uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. And then there's the question, though, about the ongoing efficacy of prayer and the sense about, you know, about being judged on a daily basis. So here it evokes that idea that we had before about it could be a din, but then it could always be reversed. There are four things that tear up a person's, uh, you know, the, the uh, sort of the document of the person's final judgment. The Eluhain, and these are they. Tzedakah, Tzedakah, Shinu Hashem, Vishinu Ma'asa. Charity, um, crying out, prayer, changing one's name and changing one's deeds. Tzedakah, Dichsiv, Tzedakah, Tzil Mimaves. Charity will save from death. And they cried out to God when it was uh, uh, in their travails and from their uh, anguish, God saved them. He took them out. Sarai, your wife, should not call her name Sarai, but Sarah's her name. And it says, And I will bless her and give from you a son. And changing actions. It says, God saw their deeds by Yonah, by Ninveh. God had compassion. So these three out of these four become the famous line that we say, right? Um, interesting, it does not mention the Shinui Hashem. One reason could be because Shinui Hashem might be a way of achieving Tshuva, right? Ramam speaks about it. You know, you're, the act of changing your name is an, is an expression of a desire to try to become a new person and try to identify as a different type of a person. It could also be that Maharshal says that of these four, only the, only the Shinui Hashem is really about having a um, a blessing, right? Uh, she didn't have children, now she can have children. It's not so much about saving from an evil decree, it's about actually changing a status quo for the better. So maybe it's not exactly of the same sort of, uh, you know, weight of the other three, which is really a type of a Makarin Gazardino, in the sense of reversing an evil decree. And let's just read the last one. Um, we just read that. Um, some say, even change your place. Go from your land, and only then will you be a great nation. Again, similar to the issue with Sarai and Sarah, it's less about something evil and being saved from something evil and more about being able to have greater fortune. Also, in terms of the other approach, you know, Rambam also mentions that the idea of changing your place could be an act in the context of Teshuvah, um, both just an idea of change, you know, new place, start over with a clean slate, but also because uh, Rambam often discusses about how one's surroundings and one's, um, and one's environment um, impacts one's actions and the standards of behavior and so on. So Shini Hashem and Shini Masa could be seen in terms of um, in terms of part related to the aspect of Kuva. Yes, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Okay, Rama Reb Yitzchak. Again, another statement of Reb Yitzchak. Now this is of a different theme, not exactly related to these issues of Din. A person has to greet his master on the uh, on, on the regalim. Why are you going to him today? Um, it is not. This is uh, by the uh, by the woman who had the child. She went to um, Elisha right when the child died. It is not a Rosh Chodesh, and it is not Shabbat. So you see, Of course, the funny thing is. So why did you say regalim? Okay, so somehow can somehow be translated as I don't know Shabbat is maybe a little bit generic, but why not translate it as Rosh Chodesh and Shabbat? But that type of demand would be too great to have to go greet every Rosh Chodesh and Shabbat. So it's a little bit unclear how to connect those dots. We're not going to uh, focus on that now. There's another Gemara that discusses greater detail. Anyway, we'll move on. Says Now that we're dealing with issues of Rigalim, there's obviously here collections of themes, a lot about Din, now about Rigalim. You have to purify yourself on the Regalim. Go to the mikvah. Do not touch their, the, 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 um, the carcasses of dead animals. 
So t- now, why, how does that tell you it's Beregel? Tanya, I'm talking to Maybe the Jewish people, because that isn't even talking to the Kohanim. A normal Jew would be would be uh, prescribed against, uh, prohibited against touching a carcass of an animal. And they're talking about touching a human dead corpse. Prohibitions against Tumah are only for Kohanim, not for non-Kohanim. Now we can make a Kavachomer. When it comes to the weighty Tumah of, of a human corpse, it's only Kohanim are, are, um, for, are, are prohibited, not Jews, not normal Jews. Tumah Kala, local. It's certainly a lighter Tumah, like a cor- uh, carcass of a dead animal. So how could you make any sense of this idea of not touching their Nizelah? Regal, it must be talking on the regal. Now, um, of course, the funny thing is, so there's a whole debate in the Rishonim whether to take that seriously or not, whether it really means that there's technically really is a prohibition, um, or whether it just sort of means, like, you know, in order to enable yourself to do Aliyah la regal and to go to the base on Mikdash and to bring the Korban, it's more like good advice. He doesn't even really mean it. Certainly, if he does mean it, one would imagine he means it in the context when there is a Beit HaMikdash and you could be doing Aliyah la regal. Um, so, to think that he really means that there's really an obligation outside of that like what would be the logic of the obligation if we're not even doing Aliyah regel? nevertheless if you combine the two of them you know greeting your master and being the Tahir and let's remember that he's the living post Chorban Habayis it sounds like he's trying to create some type of an experience of Aliyah regel. so rather than going up to the temple and being in the presence of God right and notice the word Lachbil Pnei Rabo right where do you have the word Panai right Lo Yerau Panai Rekam right Reading God's presence, God says. So, if now what we're going to do in our regalim is go to the mikvah and then go greet our masters, right? So, it's recreate a type of a non beta mikdash, you know, regal, aliyala regal reality. Of course, pe- putting Tamide Chachamim in the place of, you know, God or in the place of the beta mikdash, but it seems like that is the effect, uh, certainly, of combining those two. Okay, the, um, now, Amrab Kruspadai, Amrab Yochanan. Now, back to this ghetto theme. Now, we're putting aside with Yitzchak's statement, you know, collection of his statements. Back to the theme of Yom Hadin. So, says Rav Kruspadai, very interesting name. Kruspadai is the Aramaic word for tzitzit, okay, for whatever, whatever that's worth. So, said Rabbi Tzitzit, said Rabbi Kruspadai, Amrab Yochanan, Shloshes Farim Niftachim Barosh Hashanah. Three books are opened on Rosh Hashanah. So until now we've had this idea of a Yom HaDin, a Gzar Din, a Chatimat of the Din. Again, as we said yesterday, um, you know, even the idea that these are times to pray for certain things, rain and uh, fruit, etc. These are the times when the, these are why you're making beseeching and prayers and, and you want God to make it a good year. It does not exactly mean the idea that there's a sense of Yom HaDin. Um, you know, to the most that we have Sukim of Yom HaDin related it's the sense of, you know, which obviously, um, you know, is not necessarily the shot of that Pasuk either. But anyway, but the first stage is that the Gemara introduces this idea of Yom Hadin. Then it tells the Yom Hadin that there's a Ksiva and a Chatimah, a writing and a final, finalizing of it on Yom Kippur. Now we have this idea of the three books. Okay, so again, we take all these things for granted, but it's worth noting that, you know, none of these are taken for granted. These are particular metaphors and ways of thinking about it that is being introduced by Chazal. So, three books, Niftachim B'Rosh Hashanah, open on Rosh Hashanah. One of holy wicked people, one of holy righteous people, and the one of average people. Holy righteous people are immediately signed and sealed. So there's those two stages, signed and sealed for life. Um, holy wicked people are signed and sealed immediately for death. And the average people, are uh, suspended. Um, if they merit, they are signed for life. If they don't merit, they are signed for death. So by the way, I want to point out to you maybe uh, one of the less uh, sort of central points of this, but it is a little bit interesting here. We talk about two stages of Ksiva and Khatima. According to this, there's really, it, nobody really gets those two stages. Tzadikim and Rishayim get the Ksiva and the Khatima right away. Mm-hmm. And the Beinonim don't actually get the Ksiva until Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. 
right? <laughs> they wait to be written to the Yom Kippur. So who actually is it that gets written on Rosh Hashanah and sealed on Yom Kippur? You know, which is a very different, which is sort of like, everybody really gets decided Rosh Hashanah, but you've got like a last chance for a reversal. That's the normal idea, Stiney and Rosh Hashanah sealing on Yom Kippur. Here it's more like, the Benonim get extra time for their fate to be determined, but it really undermines a little bit the signing and the sealing. More significantly, um, well, let's read the Pasuk, and then we'll talk about more significantly about what the statement is saying. Um, what's the verse? shall be erased from this book of life. So there's by the idea of a sense of a book being written in a book of life, right? Um, and they will not be written with the righteous. So that's important, right? Because this Pasuk uh, has exactly that image of the righteous being written in a book of life. Yimachumi Sefer be erased from the book. So who's erased from the book? Who isn't in the book? That is the book of the wicked. Again, it's interesting taking an idea of being erased from the book and defining that as being written in a different book, written in a book of death. Chayim, the book of life. They will not be written with the righteous. That's the story of the Benonim. They don't get written right away. Right? They get so... Uh, and therefore there's uh, ten more days or whatever, nine more days to decide what's going to happen to them before they get written. Now, the obvious problem... Um, well, let's just read another problem. And if not, wipe me out of the Sefer that you have written. Again, this idea of being erased. That they're erased. Your book, this is the book of the righteous. That you have written, that is the middle one. Why? Because I guess it's Asher Katafta. I'm not exactly sure why, but somehow it indicates the idea that it has yet to be written or will be written, has not been written yet. Okay, so one other thing just to point out a subtle point here, which is the idea of not that it's a book of death that the wicked are written in, but it is not erased from the book of life. You know, in terms of this whole idea of Chazal's image of Gehenna, which we'll get to in a minute. You know, is there like this underworld in which your soul is punished? Or, you know, a more, uh, the way others think about it, and particularly Rambam and others, is that Gehenna is just the absence of eternal life. You know, that if you die, you get eternal life, and if you, and if you do not merit, then your, your soul dies, dies with your body. So it's not so much like a book of, you know, punishment, it's the lack of being written in the book of life. It's the absence of the eternal life. So it's interesting here, again, the actual of Mechaini. More significantly, though, is the obvious question that everybody asks, which is, it doesn't really work this easily, right? It doesn't work that if you're righteous, you live, and if you're wicked, you die. Um, so what is going on here? So... There are three basic answers. I'm sure there's a million answers, but I'll give you the three most, the three sort of most, uh, I don't know, straightforward or most, you know, uh, common answers in the Rishonim. One answer is the Ramban, which you could turn this Gemara into a tautology. And the Ramban says that the word Sadiq and Rasha does not mean wicked and righteous. The word Sadiq and Rasha means, there's a phrase like, Sadiq did he know? Somebody who was found innocent or found guilty. Okay, so what he basically turns the Gemara into a tautology. Those that have been found, you know, righteous in the judgment, meaning that have been found worthy of living, will live. And those that have been found worthy of dying, will die. So you could be a totally righteous person, but for whatever reason, God has decided that you're going to die this year. So in the context of this Gemara, that's Rishayim, Nechavim, Nechavim, also Lamisa, because God has decided that you're this year, this person is worthy of death. So in a way, it almost becomes a tautology, right? Those that are going to live are going to live, those that are going to die are going to die. The only sort of Kiddush of the Gemara is, is that the decision gets made on Rosh Hashanah. But other than that, it's not really telling you a decision based on merit, it's telling you for whatever reason God decides a person will live, then he decides they'll live, decides die, they'll die. Okay, that's not so much shot and not so interesting. Um, the Rambam sort of gives the answer of who, how, who can figure out how God's cheshbonos works, right? So, you know, sometimes little sins are counted, that we think are little really count as huge, things we think are, are big really count as little. So in the end, it does work, it's exactly right that if you have more, again, by the way, who counts as a tzaddik, who counts as a Russia? So there's these other things about, like, you know, count, is it an issue of quantifying the, the amount and the number of sins and putting them on some scales? But the Rambam tries to read the Gemara, you know, literally, or whatever, at the simple sense, and understand that it is some sense about more, do your sins outweigh your, 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 your mitzvahs or your mitzvahs outweigh your sins, but say, 
you know, that we have no way of exactly figuring out what God's, you know, what God's mass is like. Okay? Also, not sometimes terribly satisfying if you see a person that really looks like a total tzaddik and that person dies and somebody else who seems like a total Russian, that person has it well. Tosvos gives um, perhaps the, um, you know, answer that in a way becomes the answer in general for Chazal when the idea of schar v'onish, the way the Torah promises, it doesn't seem to play out in this world. You know, the Torah says you do good and, you know, you'll get blessed and you do bad and whatever. It doesn't exactly play out. And the, what's the basic way Chazal deal with the issue of schar v'onish? is they postpone it till the world to come, mm-hmm. the future world. So if you take a look at Tosvos, Tosvos says, um, he says like this, um, um, so it's a little who's considered tzaddik? He says, and then he says, but sometimes it gets postponed, da, 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 da. Okay. Um, he's also got the end of that toast there's three lines from the bottom near the end of the line it says the so according to Tarsos it doesn't mean whether this person will live or die this year it means whether this person will merit the world to come so a tzaddik it's decided that they'll merit the world to come and a Russia it's decided that they won't merit the world to come so the fact that it doesn't play out in this world in which we live that the tzaddikim don't get it good and the rishayim get it bad it's okay their judgment isn't for this world their judgment is for the world to come of course that's not reflected at all in our liturgy about what Rosh Hashanah is about and also why do you need a yearly judgment the decision should be made after the person dies what's the idea of judging each year whether they'll get Olam Haba so anyway these sort of simple types of statements like look how your judgment will correspond to what happens obviously raises the biggest questions about Scharva Onish okay so, but those are three answers that the Rishonim give let's take a look back at the Gemara Tanim Tanim Brisa so that was about whether you'll live or die this is going to be a similar discussion but not about live or die or this Olam Haba which we normally understand as what happens to your soul after you die but the Olam, the more original sense of what Olam Haba meant which is time of Mashiach and the time when there will be a future world for everyone there are three groups that will stand for the final day of judgment one of holy righteous one of holy wicked one of the average people the holy righteous are immediately written for the eternal life notice here again the difference of the phrase before it was and here it's eternal life so this is the day of judgment you know sometime I don't know before or after Mashiach comes and there will be a resurrection of the dead the whole world will be placed in judgment so at that time the righteous people will be determined that they'll get eternal life presumably physical life in this world and not uh, a spiritual life um, and the four holy righteous will immediately be signed over to Gehenim again an indication that before we were not talking about something physical there it said Lemita here it says Gehenim as the verse says many from those that sleep in the dust will, will wake up in that future time those, those will go to eternal life and those to shame and to eternal damnation Benunim, so and the milk group, Yordim Gehenom go down to Gehenim, Umitsafim Vaolim, and like cry you know, uh, cry out and come up, like sort of bubble up or cry out. Um Shinemar, as the verse says, this is all I will bring the third, this is now a different passage from Zachariah Nathaniel. Anyway, I will bring the third group into the fire, so the fire of Gehenim. The Teraftim Kitsrofatakesef, and I will um I will like uh, burn them like one burns, not the word, what's the word burn? What do you do with gold? Smelt smelt? I will smelt them like one smelts the silver, Ubihantim, and I will sort of uh test them, Kibchonitazahav again like one sort of uh, purifies gold. Huyi Karebishmi Vani and uh, they, then he will call out in my name and I will answer Oto answer them so here by the way you have this idea of Gehenom for the middle people you know the Christians have an idea of uh, what is it of purgatory right Catholics what, what happens in purgatory you, 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 it's very similar to this your sins get cleansed and then you get to get to heaven yeah okay so here's the idea as well that those middle people again in this future time presumably messianic time um, will go to Gehenom and, and then that will somehow be a atonement for their sins and then they'll be able to be married to get eternal life 
Mechana, referring to them, Chana says, Hashem God brings death and brings life. Marish brings into the underworld, Vayal, and brings out of the underworld. So that is the Benunim that after that process will be able to get eternal life. means, so that's what Beit Shammai says. So it's all about Din. Although even Beit Shammai has a sense of, you know, some people getting an upgrade, but that's after they've been punished. But fundamentally, it's all about din. Beit Hillel, who generally tends to be a little bit more compassionate, Omrim says, The one who is great in loving kindness will tip the scales towards kindness. And therefore, even some of the Benunim, sometimes God will go a little bit easier on them from the beginning. And we'll see what that means in a minute. And regarding them, David says, I have been, I rejoice because God has heard the voice of my salvation. Okay, now exactly how it's tied into that. Pasuk, um, um, it's so Tosus says, if you look at Tosos, uh, I was surrounded with the uh, sort of bonds of death. I was poor and God saved me. Or, so that means that even though I was not fully deserving, God saved me. Or another plan, the word of Dalosi Dal means to lift up. Like, you know, um, like you, you draw water, you lift up. So even though I was deserving of death, God ultimately was, had compassion and saved me. So even some of those people in the middle group, God, you know, God will go a little bit easier on them. Okay, we'll see what that means. I just read that. And regarding them, David said the entire parsha. I was poor and God saved me. I was undeserving and God saved me. Um, okay, fine. That's what you have for the normal three groups. Now we're going to go to one's deserving really special treatment. Poshe Yisrael Gufan, Jewish sinners in their very bodies, and we'll see what that means. Poshe Umas Olam Gufan, sinners of the nations in their bodies. Yergim Gehenom, go to Gehenom, and it's not just enough that they go to Gehenom, right? What was the normal Rishayim? The normal Rishayim just said they uh, go to Gehenom. Okay? These, the Poshe Yisrael Gufan, go to Gehenom, uh, and have 12 months of judgment again that ties into the whole idea of saying Kaddish for 12 months and so on anyway after 12 months their bodies are destroyed so notice that by the way when you initially go down to Gehenim it's, it's with your body now again is this after a person's death you know, is that what we're talking about? Or, again, uh, the simple sense here is, look, you should realize, I mean, I think we talked about this way, a long time ago when we did Sanhedrin, but the simple sense in the Gemara is that the Gemara focuses when it speaks about who gets Olam Haba, who doesn't get Olam Haba, Mashiach. Most of the Gemaras are talking about the world to come, meaning the world that will be in Messianic times and after sort of the final judgment in Messianic times. Rambam ha- would play a major role in re framing those terms and redirecting our attention to the sense of a world of souls after we die, each individual dies. But the Gemara's emphasis has always been much more in terms of, you know, the future messianic times, the final day, you know, the final day of judgment. So anyway, to, so to say that the bodies go down to Gehenom, well, we might be talking about that there was a resurrection, right? Or maybe everybody in the world at that time will be judged, and those deserving of punishment in their bodies. They're not dead yet will go to Gehenom and have their bodies burnt okay so it's important to understand that that's more the setting of the Gemara okay so they'll be judged for 12 months um, in, in the fire after 12 months their body will be destroyed and their soul will be burnt and then a wind will scatter their ashes under the feet of the righteous as the verse says, right? the wicked will be like dust under their soles of their feet. That's just normal. You know, that's the high, that's higher level of Rishayim number one. Poshe Yisrael Begufa. Not just plain Rishayim, you know, super Rishayim. Now we're going to get the super, super Rishayim. Aval, haminim v'hamisorot v'apikarsim. But the heretics and the, uh, those, uh, you know, the, uh, the um, uh, what's the word for misorot? Informers, thank you. And the uh, apikarsim, the uh, heretics, presumably, we'll talk in a minute what those words mean. Shekofru b'tarot, the deny tarot, shekofru b'tchiyas amazing, deny the resurrection, 
and separated themselves out from the ways of the community and put their fear in the land of the living meaning that you know sort of made their made people fearful of them and you know and, 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 and exerted um, their authority uh, in oppressive ways over others and that sinned and caused the masses to sin like Yeruvim and his colleagues you know that really led the masses astray they will go down to Gehenim but they don't even get the merit of it being done after 12 months they get judged for all eternity they will go out and see in the corpses of those that have sinned and rebelled against me I can't remember anyway their fire their worm will not cease their fire will not stop they will, and they will you know constantly they, they, they will be under constantly they will be punished okay even Gehenim will will come to an end and their punishment will not come to an end as the verse says their form will weary out the depths Sha'ol is a word for for Gehenna will weary out the underworld meaning that they will survive the underworld which is not a good thing it means that their punishment will continue even after Gehenna stops okay so Kolkach Lama and why do they deserve such a great punishment because, because at the end of the Pasuk they reached out their hand against the Zavul against the place of uh, God's house refers to the temple I have built for you a house of uh, you know of, uh, of dwelling for you so that is so because of that now of course what does it mean they stretched out their hand against the base I mean these were people they were meaning doesn't necessarily mean that it had anything to do with the base HaMikdash so well, Yeruvim ben Nevat. So Rashi says, so that seems to be it, that Yeruvim ben Nevat sort of serves as the model for that. And Rashi basically just says that their, uh, that their, that their sins caused the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. Again, a little bit funny if they're doing it after the Chorban Abayas, but okay. Um Rechamer, regarding then, Chana says, Hashem yechatu mirivav. God, those that war against you shall tremble um, because this will be their ultimate punishment. By the way, the issue again about meaning Misorot and Apikarsim, so that sort of maps onto, right, Misorot, informers, maps onto Pirshumidarchei Tzibur. Right, that they separated themselves from the community, they're enemies of the community. Minim and Apikarsim maps onto Shekafu B'Torah and Shekafu B'Tchiyat HaMetim. Right, but the question then becomes, is it just pure heresy or is it the next line that the Gemara says, Right, that ultimately it's because it led the masses astray. Um, and interestingly, Rashi on the word um, Apikarsim, if you look at Rashi about eight lines from the top, Rashi says, um, uh, well, first of all, look at the Rashi of Haminim, three lines from the top. Right, so those were actually sectarians, sectarians that actually perverted the tradition and led people astray. Right, and Apikarsim, Rashi, again, first uh, word on the line, about eight lines from the top, right, which is the word of Apikarsim, not how we normally translate it, but it's what the Gemara in Sanhedrin says the word Apikarsim means, which means denigrate Torah stages. So again, undermining rabbinic authority. So for Rashi, it's not just the fact that a person has a private, you know, position that's of, of, that they, you know, that's not necessarily one of the, uh, you know, uh, official dogma, but it's a sense really of, you know, the chatuv hichtiwet harabim. What is it doing to lead the masses astray? Alright, so anyway, interesting to think of exactly who's being put in that category. Continuing in the Gemara, Amr Yitzhar Avin, Ufnehem Domim Lishulek Deira. It's a little funny anticlimactic statement. Here they are, they're going to be destroyed, you know, for eternal damnation, um, and they'll be, you know, for, forever, even after this, they'll get in, he says, and their face will look like the bottom of a pot. <laughs> I don't get it. Anyway, all right. The Amr Rava says Rava. The Inu Shafire Shapire Bene We all know that Rava had a ongoing issue with the wealthy people in Mechuzah, um, the highly cosmopolitan people, um, and you know he would get in a lot of uh, sort of uh, he would be very. Um, 
critical of them and of their observance. Anyway, he says, who are the people that are go- in this category and they're going to get Gehenna forever and ever? Those are the, are the best of the best of Mechuzah. Like, those are the wealthy people of Mechuzah. All right. Very interesting. Okay, Mechayim B'nei Gehenna. And they should be called, maybe instead of being called like the wealthy, they should be called like the children of Gehenna. Wow, you really, <laughs> you really wondered how well he got along with uh, the people of, of his city. All right, anyway, I'm Amar. So now we're going to go back and unpack this. Um, Beitil says that the great one of compassion will tip the scales towards compassion. Uh, but what do you mean? It says that the third category will have to be purified by the fire. No. Those are the ones who sin, who sin with their very, you know, bodies. Which we'll have to say what that means in a minute. But those are the ones that have to be purified by fire. The normal Benunim, God tips the scales in their favor. So the Gemara says, Poshi Yisra one minute. If we, now we're talking about those that, you know, are sinners with their bodies, we said that those were even worse than normal Rishayim, and they get burnt and turned into dust. So how could you say those are the ones that get purified? No. When is it that they are in the Rishayim category and the super Rishayim category, and they have no, no way of being fixed, and they're going to turn into ashes? That's when they have a majority of sins, and including the majority of sins is these terrible sins of Posh Yisrael Haha, and now we are finally getting to a definition of what does it mean to be a tzaddik and a rush and a benoni. Somebody is a 50-50. They're in the benoni category. These bunami But within those 50% of sins, some of the sins are not so great sins. Some of the sins are the bad ones, are the real bad ones, are Poshi Yisrael So those are the ones, so there's two types of benonim. There's your normal benonim, which are 50-50. Those are the ones that God has a little Rahmanasan and he does, he saves them from punishment and they get into Gehen and they get into Ganadin or they get, you know, eternal life. And then there are the Bainonim who have done some really bad sins. They're still Bainonim, but the quality, not the quantity, is really bad, Poshisrabagufan. And those are the ones that have to get purified. Okay? So Baitama says all Bainonim have to get purified, and Baitil says only the bad Bainonim have to get purified. The normal Bainonim just God has a little Rahmanas on them. Okay? So the Gemara says, Losaya the love. So those that are that are benonim with these types of sins, Losaya laid love the Those are the ones that it would not be sufficient without this act, this process of purification. They have to be purified. The love, but if they don't have those bad sins, they're just normal benonim. God has compassion and lets that saves them from the punishment. Fine. Darsh Rava, my dechiv. What's meant by the bazak? Ahavti yishma Hashem. I rejoice that God has heard the voice of my outcry. The community of Israel said to God, "Ribona Shalom, Master of the Universe." When am I beloved to you? When you hear the voice of my supplication. Okay, not exactly clear what the point is that he's making, but presumably what he's doing is he's reversing the order. Not that, um, I, well, first it's also that, that I love it when you hear my supplication, but I am beloved to you when you hear my supplication. But he's also presumably reversing the order, which is not just that, um, that, um, that because you love me, you should hear my supplication, but, in, but, but through hearing my supplication, that makes me beloved to you. In the act of responding, right, it's sort of like the act of caring and showing that concern, that is what fosters the relationship, and that is what makes me beloved to you. Um, yes? Yeah, so that's only according to Tosos. First of all, we're not in that right now. Now we're in the final judging, judgment, judgment, you know, in the time of, of Mashiach, in the time of the ultimate, like, uh, resurrection. Earlier on. So the simple sense of earlier on is not a judgment for Olam Hamba. The earlier sense of earlier on was a judgment of whether a person will live or die this year. But because of the theological problems that that creates, Tosa decides to reframe it as its judgment for Olam Haba. Then that's the question you ask. Why do you judge each year for Olam Haba? Be judged for Olam Haba when you die. So right. Oh, well, that's the Gemara before of that judgment. So that's that Gemara before, that like Tefillah and Tshuva and Saka can tear up the judgment, right? 
Okay. So the Gemara says, okay. Um, okay. The Losi Yoshia, I have been poor and, and you have saved me. So this is God sort of tipping, you know, in, uh, in favor, either, uh, of, of the Benonim. Afapisha mitzvot, although I'm undeserving and I'm poor, lina elahoshia, is, is fit to save me. So again, that's the Rav Chesed Mataklapi Chesed. Okay, now, now to this bad category of Poshe Yisrael the Gufan, which makes you a worse Benoni, or if makes you a Russia, then you get the really super bad punishment of the Rishayim. Okay, so Poshe Yisrael the Gufan, mind you, what is this? Amarav, Amarav, says Rav, Karkafta de lo manach tefillin. So that is a lot, uh, you know, less serious than we were expecting. A head that does not have, that never put on, that didn't put on tefillin. So first of all, there's a question, does it mean never wore tefillin? Um, or does it mean once didn't wear tefillin? I hope it means never. Okay, so, um, and so why is that so significant? So if you look at Tosfos, Karkafta de lo manach tefillin, Tosfos says, First of all, Tosfos had to deal with a problem because it's an interesting phenomenon that in the time of the Bali Hatosfos, I think that we take as most basic, like tefillin and mezuzah, it seems like Jews weren't always as good about that as they should have been in the time of the Bali Hatosfos. So he had to really deal with this problem of, really? Just because you didn't wear tefillin? That's this worst type of a thing? So here's what he says. First of all, if you're learning Torah, then it's like you're wearing tefillin because tefillin is about, you know, that says, you know, that the Children represent the Torah of God, so learning Torah somehow exempts you from that. The Amar So first of all, you know clearly what he's trying to do. He's trying to downplay the problem of some people that aren't wearing tefillin because this Gemara says that it's disastrous. For this type of thing of poshi shogufan is only when it's dis- sort of disgusting to you, despising. Um, You're like, Ugh, I'm going to wear this on my head. Here's the gufnaki. Yes, my car's in the way. I'm sorry. I didn't think anybody was going to need it until now. I'm really sorry. Okay, thank you. Okay. Okay, so he says, if you're doing it because you don't think you can live up to the standards that you need, then you're not Poshe Gufan. He says, And anyway, all of this is if you didn't do Tshuva, if you did Tshuva, Tshuva fixes it. Okay, so Tosin is trying to downplay it, obviously, you know, because uh, he's acknowledging that sometimes people don't wear Tshilin. Of course, it now, does it mean that you once didn't wear tefillin? If you meant you never wore tefillin, that would be another way to somewhat limit the scope of what that Gemara is saying. But again, besides that question about how bad is it that you didn't, like how uh, pervasive, you know, per, you know, pervasive, and why you didn't wear tefillin? Why is not wearing tefillin itself in the category? What makes tefillin so terrible? So it seems that the idea is is that. You know, a normal affair you do with your body. You're Michal Shabbos with your body. You eat Trefus with your body. It's big Ufan. But here it seems that the whole idea is that it's representing the identity of the body. Like, you know, it's giving yourself this whole, you know, at least for the men, this Jewish identity. Like Chazal say, Kishem Hashem Nikra Eilecha. Like God's name is called upon you, right? They see God's name on your head. You know, so it's very much about, fundamentally about like, you know, identifying with Torah, with God, with the Tzilin. It's very much about that identity that you're making about your very person. It's not just an action. It's about your personhood. You know, your, your body's identity. So it seems that that is why, you know, that's what clothing are. Clothing becomes a type of a second skin and a type of an identifying of our body. So it seems to be that that's why the Gemara is giving this so much weight. Okay, it's really in a way like denying your Jewish identity. Of course, one could have said that it's a case, let's say, about somebody that didn't have a Brit Milah or that reversed his Brit Milah. You know, that would have been, again, talking about men, but okay, that would have been, again, someone I think which is similar to this category. Okay? Poshi now, what about sinners uh, of the nations with their body? Amarav Avera, that is sexual sin. Okay? So, again, presumably because of the way that very much involves the whole body as opposed to just, you know, a particular, like, a hand or a particular, you know, action that seems as much more complete in terms of the body. Um, okay. They put their fear in the land of the living. That's a, a Jewish communal leader that puts ex- fear on the community not for the sake of heaven. Again, throwing your weight around um, and that already puts you into this category of like the worst, the biggest sinners. 
Amrav Yidam Arav, so in that, in that, in, you know, in that spirit, says Rav Yidam Arav, Kol Parnas HaMatil, Ema Yitebra LaTibur, Shalol Hashem Shemayim, Einu Ben Tamid Chacham. So anybody who does this not for the sake of heaven, sometimes maybe you're allowed to exert your authority, but not for the sake of heaven. You do not see a child who is a Tamid Chacham. Shenemar Lachem Yeruhu Anashim, people will fear him. Lo Yireh Kochach Meleiv, you will not see all those wise of heart, you will not see a child that is a Tamid Chacham. Of course, that's a lot less severe of a punishment than getting burnt and, uh, for yeah. 12 months and getting your ashes spread, you know, under, okay. Beit Hillel, Omrim, back to Beit Hillel, say, How is it that God does this, has a little compassion on the Beinonim, um, and saves them from this, this uh, punishment? So Rabbi Yehudah Omer Kov Show, he based, so I'll read it one way, then I'll tell you the way Rashi reads it, he submerges it, meaning he takes some of the sins and he, like, suppresses them. God will suppress our sins, bury our sins. No say, he lifts them up, he alleviates, he, he, he lifts up your sins. God lives up the sins. So how does God do it? So, you know, one way is sort of like, um, so it seems that the Gemara, again, I don't exactly get the difference, but it seems like the Gemara is like, one is like we're acknowledging the sin, but we're going to like bracket it. You know, we're going to suppress it. We're not, you're not going to get punished for it. The other seems more compassionate. It's like lifted off from your, you know, the sense of carrying the weight of the sin, so it's sort of lifted off of your shoulders, and it's actually some of the sins are forgiven. Rashi says, uses the metaphor not of the sin, which seems to be what the Gemara is talking about, and it's the metaphor of the scales. So kovsho is if you have a scales and here's the sins and here are the and here are the mitzvot. So to be kovesh is to put your heavy, your finger on the mitzvot. So you tip the scales down in favor of the mitzvot. And to be no say is to pull, push up the sins so that it does it doesn't weigh down and tip down. So Rashi uses the whole scale image. Um, but anyway, that's not in the Gemara. But to some degree, there's a little bit of a foregoing of some of the sins in order that even a benoni gets a little bit of a pass and gets to and does and gets into the tzaddik category. Yes. We're still not talking about Rosh Hashanah annually, the day that he died. This so, con- immediate context is Yom Hadin at the end of the time of the, you know, at the time of the Mashiach. It's 100 years later. Right. And now that, that's what we're talking about. No, what we're talking about is, you know, uh, at the time of Mashiach when the whole world is being dodged. Including, like, let's say, I mean, hope will be around, but maybe it right. be around. Our grandparents, in my right, opinion. right. So maybe after Tchiyas Hamesim, everybody exactly, presumably. All right, that's the, that was at least the context we began in. Correct. All right. By the way, the other way in which the Gemara refers to this idea is the pasuk about Ma'avir um, Rishon Rishon, passing over the first, the, you know, the first one by the first one, which is like the first sin. God, like you know, doesn't count the first one. So that's also that. That's because the question is how much does God forgive for the Benoni? Just one? So if you're exactly 50-50, then you get tipped in the scale of the Tzadikim? You know, or is there a little bit broader definition of Benonim and God forgives a little bit more than just one? Anyway, who knows? I'll let God worry about the final accounting. So the Gemara says like this. Um, Rava Amar, um, or Amar Rava, I'm sorry, did I skip line? Uh, oh, it's, it's actually this next nine. I just anticipated it, or whatever. Um, passes over one by one. And that is the measurement. That's the way God does it. He sort of, he, he, he doesn't count the first one. How do they translate? And was, um, overlooks the first. And, what, and then Bechein Um... Uh, then that is the attribute. That's the attribute. So okay. maybe it means the attribute of Mavir Rishon Rishon, yeah. right? That's, that's great. That is the grace, right? So I was wondering, meaning the way Midah could be read either way, which is this is the way that God sort of judges in this, you know, gracious way, in this compassionate way, or maybe it means like the Yud Gimel Midot. Right, the Yud Gimel Midot of Rachamim. So the Midah of Ma'avir Rishon Rishon is the Midah of forgiving the first one. Okay, but it's also a little bit of play. But that's the way Archul explains it. Okay. Okay, fine. All right. But the other interesting thing is we'll see is the word Midah normally implies a precise measurement. So there's a little irony going here. That's the measure, meaning that's the precise way. But the precise way is you have Rachmanus. Okay. Um, Okay, so the Gemara says like this, um, I'm a rubber. And now we're going to see that exact idea of midah being used, right? Ma'azir rishon rishon, v'chein hiya midah. Listen to how those words get echoed in the next line. I'm a rubber. Um, says rubber. 
That again gets maybe to the issue about suppressing as opposed to lifting up. Even though God sort of gives it a pass, it doesn't get erased. It's like it's not forgotten that you did the sin. The Ika Ruba of Bonos, because if in the end it turns out that you have a majority of sins, even after we gave you a pass on the first one, then that one will get added back to your ledger. Okay? Amar Rava, and Rava also says, and here it means anybody that is willing to forego their exact accounting, like somebody does something bad to you, you know, the people that demand precise judgment, you know, and then people say, all right, a mocha, whatever, fine. So if you're willing to pass over for yourself your own precise counting, ma'avirin loa kotshav, then in, uh, you know, mida keneged mida, again, there's that mida, which is the sense of precision, right, God will be willing to, you know, forgive all of your sins. If you forgive other people's sins against you, God will forgive your sins against God. Lifting up sin and for forgoing uh, iniquity. For who will God lift up sin? The person who himself is willing to forgo sins against himself. So that's obviously very powerful, that idea that the way we deal with other people and the way we deal with sins against us sort of determines how God will deal with, with our actions. Rav Huna braid Rav Yoshua Chalash. Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yoshua, got sick, which often means got sick and maybe, maybe is uh, at the risk of dying. Al Rav Papa Lishulebe. So Rav Papa went to inquire after his, after his health, went to visit him. Um, he saw that the, that the world was, the, was sick for him, which means that he was at the verge of death. Amalahu, so he said to them, uh, meaning whoever the people were around there, Savisule Zavda. So prepare for him a, um, a, uh, a care package. I mean, a Zavda is like, you know, an accompaniment, meaning get the Tachrichim ready. It looks like he's about to die, mm-hmm. so get the, uh, the stuff that will be his, uh, you know, his uh, care package into the world to come. Okay? Zavda uh, okay. is like la Derech. So, Itapach, in the end he got better. So Papa was embarrassed. Here I thought you were going to die, and I got everybody to get the tachrichim better. Like I'm, I, it's a little bit I'm embarrassed. Like I, I, I thought bad about the, about you know what was going to happen to you. I'm but eventually apparently they uh, they did they did bump into one another. So Papa said to him, My chazis, what did you see when you were on the deathbed when you were about to die? Amalei or Amaluhu, I know my Tlu. Inach in Hachihave. Yes, you know, I did see like you said, that I was that it was determined that I was about to die that I was going to die. But Amalu Akarish Baruch and God said again to them, I guess the heavenly angels, Hoivalo Mukim Binilei, since he does not stand on his, you know, um, uh, again, I'm trying to find the right idiom, but he doesn't stand on his own, like, accounting, like he doesn't, you know, he doesn't insist that things done to him, you know, uh, people get, you know, he it, it is, people get, uh, you know, that he's exacting on other people. He's willing to be mocha and forgo things that are done against him. So, we also should not, you know, be exacting against him and we should forgo his sins against, against God. So, here you have it. It's not just a drasha, but it is confirmed based on overhearing a heavenly judgment about Rav Yoshua. Okay. Now, the end of the buzzer is lish erit nachalato, right? No seven vavverpasha lish erit nachalato to the remnant of God's uh, of the of the um, uh, what's it called of the uh, in, uh, inheritance, not inheritance. is another word. Um, anyway, inheritance. All right. Anyway, um, heritage. I don't know. Alia the This pasuk is like a fatty tail. It's delicious, but it's got a thorn in it. It's a good promise that God forgives, but there's a little hard part to it. What's the hard part to it? So, God will forgive the remnant of his inheritance. The not the entire inheritance. Not everybody gets forgiven. So, who's the Shayrit Nachalato? Top of Yudzayna Mabet. People that make themselves like the leftovers, people that don't, are not haughty, are humble, you know, those are the people that God will forgive. Ravuna Rami. Ravuna shows a contradiction. See, the verse says, Sadiq Hashem Rachav. God is a tzaddik. God's a chassid. It's got a tzaddik or a chassid. So it's another mutually exclusive. No, but tzaddik means exacting and chassid is kindness is with compassion. So betchilat tzaddik. Originally God wants to judge people with righteousness, you know, with justice. 
not righteous, justice, like precisely, exacting. When that doesn't work and too many people will be found guilty, chasit, he has compassion. So again, that's similar to the benonim and rav chesed type of an idea. Rabbi Eliezer Rami. Rabbi Eliezer shows a similar contradiction. Ksiv, Lachashem Chesed. You, God, is compassion. Ksiv, Kiatat Tishalem, each Kamaseyu. You compensate each person according to his actions. You're precise. Justice. Is it compassion or is it justice? Betchila, Kiatat Tishalem, Kamaseyu. You try first to see if somebody can be, you know, justice. If that doesn't work, if the person is going to be found guilty, Lachashem Chesed, then you're willing to employ compassion. Ilfi, now Ilfi, Vamile Ilfan, some say Ilfa, name of a Chacham, Rami. So is the contradiction. Ksiv, Rav Chesed, God is great in compassion. Ksiv, the Emet, truth, which is it? Is it truth or is it compassion? Betchila, the Emet, first God tries truth, but the Sof, Rav Chesed, then Rav Chesed. Of course, the problem with the last Yisukim is that the Chesed is mentioned before the Emet. But uh, maybe that's a good point. That just shows the idea that in theory I would like to do MS, but I recognize from the outset that's going to require Chesed. Okay, now that we quoted this Pasuk, Rav Chesed Vyamet, now we're getting to the Yud Gimel Midot, right? The Midot of Lachamim. So let's take a look. God passed in the, phrase, in the presence of Moshe, right? And he called out, right? Hashem, Hashem, Rachum, Vachanun, Erechapayim, the Yud Gimel Midot. Amr of Yochanan, so what does it mean he passed by Moshe's face? Yomoli Mikra Katuv was it not written in the verse, Yef Shala Omro, you would not be allowed to say such a thing. The Lameh that teaches you, Shinitateva Kadesh Baruch Kishliach Sibur, God wrapped himself in a talus like a Tsliach Sibur, Vehera Moshe Seder Tifila, and showed Moshe the way of prayer. And Marlo, and he said to him, Whenever the Jewish people sin, this is the, the, this is the right that they should perform, the saying of Hashem, Hashem, and I, God, will forgive them. So it's to pass before, presumably is evoking the rabbinic phrase of, over Teva. Right? When it says that you go to leave the davening, you're over, you pass in front of the teva. So presumably that's what they're picking up of. Vayavor Hashem Lifanav. God went to the head of the congregation to leave the, the, the tefillah and demonstrate how one prays, you know, to evoke God's uh, compassion. I mean, this is of course why we say the Yud Yimomidot so frequently during the period of Slichot and during the period of the Aseret Yimei Tuva. Okay, so now let's going to have a little bit, a little uh, elaboration on what these Midot mean. We're not going to go through all of them. Okay, Hashem Hashem, Aniyu Kodem Sheyechta, I am God before one sins, meaning Hashem could also be Midas Harachamim, I have compassion, even though I know somebody will sin, I nevertheless maybe, you know, support the person and, you know, and, 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 and have compassion even beforehand. Kodem Sheyechta Adam, Vaniyu La'achar Sheyechta Adam, after sin, I also will be prepared to have compassion. The Aset Shuva, and again, maybe not compassion, stop, but I will wait for the person and support the person and sustain the person until he does Shishuvah. El Rachum Bechanun, a God of compassion and kindness. Amr of Yehuda, Bris Krutali Yudim Midot, Sheinam Choseret Rekam, there is a, a covenant made with the 13 Midot that they will, that by saying them you will not be t- returned empty handed. Again, similar to the line before, do this and I will forgive you. Shenemar, the verse says, Hinanochi Koreit Brit. Behold, I am making a covenant, negative. But says after the Hashem Hashem, so the Brit is with the Yud Gimomidot. It's interesting that it quotes the El Rachum B'Chanun without extra, without explaining explaining it. Just moving on to the idea of the Brit. Tosus here tries to figure out exactly how you get thirteen. Which of the words count towards the thirteen? Which of them are the thirteen? There's a long Haggah here. You see a parallel column. Anyway, the Gemara does not. There's an interesting discussion in the Rishonim and the Gaonim how to exactly count the Yud Gimomidot and how to describe them. Okay, I'm a Reb Yochanan. We'll read one more line. What time is it? 8.31. Um, okay, I guess we will end here then. All right. <laughs>